I just think that we owe we owe something. The game's given me so much. You owe a little bit back. And I just think sometimes the game has given him everything, absolutely everything, mm. everything he's got. And if he hasn't made thirty million bucks out of our game, like I don't know, he's made more money than any other player, any other coach out of our game. I think that he can give it a bit more respect. That's Gordon Tallis talking about his problem or problems with Wayne Bennett, his former coach. Look, this was a pretty fascinating chat with a bloke who's captained Brisbane, Queensland and Australia all to success. He's done pretty much everything there is to do as a player in rugby league and Gordy had so much to say. Uh, We got through his dramas at St George where he actually sat out a year of footy in protest because he wanted to be playing in Brisbane. Success at the Broncos, his Indigenous heritage and racism in rugby league. He talked to us about the recent issues with illicit drugs in sport and he had an elegant solution to that problem. Gordon Tallis was incredibly open. He was, as always, kind-hearted and quite warm. Please enjoy this chat with Gordon Tallis and the Stack Report. It's a warm welcome to the Stack Report, to the raging bull himself, Gordon Tallis. Thank you so much for joining us, Gordon. How you going, mate? Yeah, really good. This is very good of you to give us an hour of your time. Thanks for that. You're right, no problem. So, as I said, the Raging Bull, that's been the nickname. You know, I had these memories of you as a kid watching up, watching you just rip apart New South Wales, making me upset every year. You (laughs) were such an intimidating presence. But I think getting to know you sort of around the traps here at Fox Sports, you're a bit of a gentle giant, aren't you? Yeah. You're a softie. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, when I grew up as a kid, I played centers. And like every kid, you don't want to play in the engine room. No. You know, like you want to play. You want to be the star. No one goes You want to be the star. So I was in the centers, 5'8", and then as you got bigger, you know, they put you in the lock back rower. And I'm normally a gentle guy, so I had to check myself in. So normally game day, you know, when you get up in the morning, you walk around and you try to take the angry pills (laughs) because generally I'm not that guy, you know. And and it takes a while to get me rolled up. So um, it's just something that you do. And because you don't have the skill level of a, you know, Darren Lockyer or Andrew Johns or Alan Langer, to bring that, well, I had to bring something else, and something else was aggression. So, you know, you can't just walk out and be aggressive. Mm. Yeah, I mean, like you got to sort of get yourself to a point. How'd you, how'd you do that week to week? Oh, uh, you just you sort of learn to do it. And if I like people, um, I didn't, so uh, I wouldn't be friendly uh, the day of the game. And when I stepped over the white line, I just had to keep on convincing myself that when I stepped over the white line, these blokes were yeah. really going to give it to me. And then I'd have to make it personal. So like. So like my first hit up or whatever, like I'd do it and sometimes I'd say something and if someone said something back, then okay, it's game on. Yeah. But if you're playing and, you know, the game's flowing and you're winning, you're scoring tries, well, you sort of put yourself back in reverse sort of thing and just watch the game a bit. So you sort of had to check yourself in and the tougher the game went, you know, the more challenging it was. Well, that's probably, I thought, when I went better. Like when it's more of a forward yeah. battle and it's really tough up the middle and it's low scoring. Well, that's when the Shane Webkeys and myself maybe got the headlines but other than that playing at Brisbane it was always Wendell Saylor scoring three tries Darren Lockyer <laughs> setting up three Alan Langer man of the match it's interesting you talk about um, getting yourself fired up through yeah. your opposition because um, Ian Healy in his uh, autobiography talked about Brian Lara and every, the sort of rules were do not try and piss off Brian Lara because the last thing you need is him motivated was that something that happened with uh, you like did I never played against myself, but yeah, there were yeah. certain players. Someone like Ian Roberts, you always looked, you left him alone. Well, the big famous one is Mel Meninga. Yeah. He was in the centres, don't say anything. So for years and years and years, you know, Wally Lewis and Gene Miles would play against him. All the New South Wales players would only see Mel playing for Queensland with, but they played against each other all their life. Mm. And then they'd get up, hey, Mel, how are you going, mate? Where are you going tonight and having a beer? Then Wayne Bennett said, 
Mel, they're conning you. Stop listening to Wally and Gene <laughs> because they knew how damaging he could be if Mel wanted to turn it on. So, yeah. mate, great run, Mel, and they pat him on the back and they'd, hey, you know, and they'd do all that. But you know, there's some there's there's some guys in the game that you just want to leave in their own little space and make sure that you don't poke the bear. Hey, I touched on off the top your nickname, the Raging Bull. Yeah. I know that that's a famous character from yeah. a De Niro film. How'd you get the the name? Do you know? I was playing, and it might have been maybe my second year in Brisbane, so 98. It wasn't 97, 98. And, and I played a game, and the headline was something like, oh, I played like a raging bull or something like that. Yeah. Or rampaging bull, and then it sort of turned to raging, and it just stayed. The raging bull just stayed. So every time I sort of, you know, everybody was writing, oh, the raging bull today, Gordon, tell us the raging And they just added it to the name. But it's not something that my teammates called me, not something that I ever knew. Nike when I got sponsored by Nike towards the end of my career, probably the last five years, started putting it on my boots, which was pretty cool to make them personal, you know, and then Lockie would have Rue or, you know, they'd have their nicknames, but it's not something that I, you know, looked at and said, well, I could have had a lot worse nicknames, but <laughs> I, had, I did have bad ones in the dressing room. What but, was the worst one in the oh, dressing room? Can you? Well, when I started playing bad, yeah. they used to call me the potty calf because it's, <laughs> or a dairy cow or something like that, raging, more, more like a dairy cow. No, mate, there's, there's probably some that you can't say, but mate, there was good. There was there was one really good one when I was at the Dragons, and it was with another player. But then they sort of tried to put it on me, which was potholes. Yeah, they call someone potholes because everybody tries to avoid them <laughs> around the dressing room. So, yeah, there's been some good ones that you can say. I dare say there was. Um, I want to take you back to when you were just a young bloke cutting around Townsville. 1973. You're born in Townsville, born and raised uh, up there, yeah. going to the Currajong Primary School. Yeah. When did you fall in love with rugby league? <sighs> I don't know. I, 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 it was just something like growing up in Townsville and I went home on the weekend, it's just something what you did and I went and I spoke and, and the government have this new get active scheme and you know. but that's what you did when you grew up in little country towns and it was a little country town to us. Now there's 200,000 people. Yeah. They're building a stadium. There's a North Queensland Cowboys but there were 60,000 people. So, you know, everybody played rugby league. I played AFL sometimes, I played rugby league, I played softball, I played basketball and all your mates would come and you know, you'd have the same side or you'd play against and that's what and you played sport, you'd go to the community, make my sisters would play Vigoro and all these games and that's what it was. And I had an older brother, I was the youngest in the family, and I'm the youngest out of the whole family actually, so all my cousins started playing rugby league, so I just used to go along and watch them play and then you'd have a million games in the front yard with all your, you know, boys in the street, whether it's cricket or our rugby league and then I don't know, as soon as I turned eight and the first season it was under eights mum and dad said yeah you can play this year so I just went down there and my brother was in under tens so I went down there and started playing we obviously you dominated at a professional level you must have been really kicking oh, some ass around Townsville I was colours. a skinny kid actually it's 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 sort of funny so I didn't miss out on any Townsville side so I'm so I made like rep team so Townsville I made it then in under 12s I made the North Queensland schoolboy side that we went down to Brisbane and we played against Darling Down, Central Queensland, Peninsula, which is Cairns and all that region and the four Brisbane areas. Um, but that was my only rep side. My next rep team that I ever made was State of Origin. So um, I didn't dominate as much because I was a tall, lanky, well, I was a small kid uh, and my son sort of take after me, but my dad was six foot four, so I was going to get size, but it's when you got it. Probably when I was 16, I shot up. Yep. So I was probably that real lanky, gangly guy and then I started filling out in my body under 17s, under 18s, and I was under 18s, and when I went down to St. George, I was 86 kilos, so I was 6 foot 2 and 8, so that's not a big man, 
yeah. really, like when you think about it. So, um, and then just with the weights program and just growing into a man and finding KFC and Sizzler <laughs> and beers, well, then the weight just keeps on coming on, and now I can't get it off. I wish I could be that. You're in pretty good, Nick. Yeah, Come on, I've, I've, seen still you, I've seen how much yeah, you eat you, in that green room. They yeah, give us you, like a big jar of lollies that sits in makeup, and you are like you terrorised. Yeah, yeah, well, I've already had a go at that. So, no, so well, I'm not just, one to talk. Hey, <laughs> hey, yeah. So, uh, uh, so I was a kid that that sort of filled into the frame and I've got a boy now Ethan who's who's very tall and he's so much like me so he's growing up and he's 45 kilos and he's like 13 so he's getting knocked around he played against a 100 kilo bloke yeah. the other day and he marks the centre that's 85 kilos so he's getting knocked around a little bit but when his frame fills out it's a really big frame and then I got and then my other son is a bit like my brother where he's a bit thick but when he shoots up he goes fast and strong again so so um yeah but it's just life, isn't it? You yeah. Know, just, you know, so they've got a bit of pedigree. Just don't pick on the small kids because sometimes they grow up to be big. <laughs> I was a small kid the whole way through. I didn't grow up. Unfortunately, I'm still getting picked on. Um, the, your kids have obviously got a fair bit of pedigree. You actually had a bit of pedigree yourself. Your old man played um, super high level in yeah, the United Kingdom. Uh, played for for Lee, was it, in Manchester? Yeah. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Yeah, yeah. Lee. Lee. Yeah. Uh, L-E-I-G-H. Dad, Dad was one of those guys. He played until... You know, Played 300 games of AFL, so he's a life member of the AFL club at home. He played rugby league till he was 38. Went over the Bobby Hagen was a famous guy. Played for Australia. They went over there together. Dad played for North Queensland all of his life. Um, he was the first Indigenous captain to leave. He was the captain of the Aboriginal All Blacks. He's a big six foot four fullback, and just a great athlete. He won a te- yeah you know, like a the tennis open or something. Like yeah. he's always like, and he played cricket and then he did something else. He's always being around sport he's just one of those big athletes before guys were really big back in the day and and then and then his sister was the first um indigenous captain for for uh, netball as well so we just come from a real sporting sporting background and yeah. um you know and then i had a sister um who passed away but she was the best she she represented Queensland in every sport she was just amazing so she played basketball with Sandy Brondello and Michelle oh, Timms yeah, and all right. those yeah see so so then she was in that era, but she so she ran for Queensland, netball for Queensland, basketball for Queensland, softball for Queensland, and Vigoro, and that's and that's pretty cool cool for for a girl coming from from Townsville. Um, my brother signed for the Broncos. He was the first one to leave. He uh, he played for Queensland with Jason Smith and all the boys against Maddie in the schoolboy era. But yeah. I didn't go to grade twelve. But I would never have made that side anyway because I didn't make it in under fifteen. Mm. So. But so was you? Was are you a chip off the old block? Was your dad a f- real presence on the sporting field? Or? No, he's a he was a skillful player. He was a big he's he's a big fullback that had skill. So yeah, yeah. So no, he wasn't in the he wasn't in the pack. We were a bit. Uh, I'm probably no no. My brother and my dad played with skill, from what I understand, and I played with my body and brawn. So so no, I wish, but. No, I was I wasn't that smart. Did he ever talk to you about the glory days? No, never. No. Very, 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 very humble man. And um, I just went home to Townsville because um, um, we buried one of Mum's brothers and just everybody. And the, like it's a big funeral because I was just involved in sport and just everybody comes up. And I was walking in Covent Garden in England, and this bloke walked up to me. This is in '97, and a bloke mm. goes, "You're Wally Tallis." I said, "No, I'm Gordon Tallis." He goes, "You look like you." He goes, there was a guy here that played for Lee. He was um, my, my favourite player. And because I may have looked a bit like Dad, I'd, I still had curly hair at the time. And yeah, so I don't know, he's just a big guy and Can very, very humble. Never, ever once spoke about anything. Never, ever once. And, and, and it's sad in a way, but that's the way they were back in those days. Sure. And that's why you respect him because he never, ever blew his own trumpet. But now that he's passed, a lot of guys come up and tell 
and tell you stories, especially when I go home to North Queensland or, or like then even around Brisbane or whatever. So it's cool. Yeah. I can, you can only imagine what it must have been got, like yeah. for a guy like that in the 60s playing yeah. in Manchester. It must have been fascinating. Well, mate, mate, even then, so when he went over there, to tell you a story, he I don't know how it happened, but Dad got on the wrong plane and ended up in Russia. <laughs> a guy, how an does Indigenous Paul, how does guy, I don't know, go in Russia? An Indigenous guy getting on a plane in Townsville, working his way to go play in the north of England and gets off the plane in Russia. And just for those younger listeners out there, this is the 60s. This is the middle of the Cold War. That's right. <laughs> and then he just went, the, there was people with guns. They took him into a room. He couldn't speak. <laughs> they couldn't speak. Translator come and he said, I was, I was going to England. There's my passport. There's my ticket. So I don't even know how he got on the wrong. <laughs> Who knows? Just imagine that these days. You yeah. could never do it. No. No, no chance. <laughs> no. It's also uh, much more secure. Um, but back to yourself. Uh, you you head down to, to Sydney as a young fella and uh, you, you start playing for the Dragons. You make yeah. your first grade debut at 19. Can, can you give me the idea of the process of how you end up at the Dragons after you're a young talent in North Queensland? Well, I was in the pool with my, with my mate at the time, Zane Aiken. His dad was the president of the club, Jeff Aiken, and he got a phone call from Rod Reddy, who played, well, Rod Reddy's a St. George legend. He coached mm. up in Townsville in 85, 86 or 86, 87. And I was a young kid. I was 12 and 13 at the time. And he rang up and said, oh, mate, do you have any kids? I'm at the Dragons now. I'm coaching reserve grade, assistant coach, first grade. Maybe we're looking for some country talent. And they said, oh, yeah, there's a couple of guys here. And then I was in the pool with his son. He goes, oh, who's that? He goes, oh, Zane there. He goes, yeah, um, he's got Gordy Tallis in the pool. Think, oh, Gordon, because Dad was big yeah. and Dad was hanging around footy. He goes, oh, mate, what's he like? Yeah, mate, he's a, mate he goes, all right. So then Rod Reddy rang me at home, said, you want to come down for a trial? I went down, had a trial, and it was an open trial. Anybody could have went to Cograve yeah. that day and trialed. And I played 20 minutes and they pulled me off. And then the next week was all their invited kids. Okay. I didn't even make the invited trial. So then he said, can you stay another week? So Rocker put me up at his place and I played the trials the next week. Played, you know, like a bit more time because it was all the good kids and all the kids that had played in the SG ball yeah. and flag. Um uh, the year before, and then I walked off, and Brian Smith offered me offered me a contract, and it was three thousand dollars scholarship, which was um, accommodation. I said, "Yeah." I said, "I'll come," and I was my own manager. Then I said, "I'll come if you get me a job," and that was it. So they got me a job and a place to stay, which was either three thousand dollars for um, for accommodation, which I knew wasn't going to be enough. So three thousand, sorry, um, three thousand dollars. That that was a contract that they offered me so for the year. Yeah, yeah, for the year. Wow. And then I played. Seven games, uh, Jersey Did Fleet. Did you know who Brian Smith was? No, had yeah. no idea. Yeah, I knew Rod Reddy, had no idea. I well, well, like we used to watch the Brisbane comp, and I was a Broncos fan, so yeah. I didn't really know any of the draft. Well, I knew it Mark sounds ridiculous Coyne. now, given yeah, how that's prevalent right. you know you can't miss a game back then. You're not seeing every game televised, it, not seeing every game. It was, the, it was the ABC game, and we got yeah. every Broncos game, yeah. So, because we were Queenslanders, we got the Broncos, so so we didn't see the Dragons, only if they were playing on a Saturday, so didn't know any of the players, but. Got that and ended up playing under-19s and broke my thumb against Manly, Anthony Baller, who's Marty Baller's brother, yep. in about round seven, so broke my thumb. Did he manage to get the tape over his, above yeah. his head? <laughs> no, well, he was a big tall lock. He was about a six-foot-four lock. Yeah. So I broke my hand on um, broke my thumb on his head. I went to tackle him and I just come off. And then I'm there and I'm six weeks out. And then when I come back, they said, oh, do you want to sit on the bench for 21s? But that was graded. So mm. I went from 19s to 21s and I played about four games. Then someone got injured in reserve grade, so I went on reserve grade. Then the next week, that bloke was out, so then I played reserve grade about four games. Yeah. And then by the end of the year, I was playing reserve grade consistently, and then 
the last round against Western Suburbs, who made the five that year because it was a top five, yeah. and St. George made the top five. They went to the grand final back in 1992. I ended up playing first grade. So against the Broncos, of course. Yeah, so yeah. then I ended up playing in the under-21s grand final against West, and we got beaten by a field goal. So, so it was sort of like a rise that I never thought that I would have, but I went from... Townsville under 18s to St. George under 19s to St. George first grade in one year. When Take me back to the pool. At that point, are you even considering professional rugby league as a career? My brother was at the Broncos. So yeah. my name had to be bandied around right. the Queensland. So Broncos didn't so think I was like good. Well, Broncos didn't think I was good enough. No, yeah. no, no, no. Because you had to no, play. You thought you were Because you had to picture. play for Queensland. No, because you had to play Queensland 15, 16, 17. Yeah. Someone like Darren Lockyer played Queensland 12, 13, right. 14, 15. So because so you weren't played, in the system, you know, inverted commas. Yeah. So I never played for no North chance. Queensland after under 12s. And that was a primary school thing. So even club footy, I never made it past Townsville. So I never made North Queensland club. And that's where all the good kids played was the club. So I never made any of those sides. Doesn't that just strike you as insane, the fact that if you haven't no. been at your mate's pool, you yeah, might oh, that's not be... Yeah, that's right. That's right. And when people ask me, how do you get a career? I said I was lucky. Yeah. Absolutely lucky. Yeah. Oh, it, it plays a massive well, part in any anything. Who knows whether, it? you know, like the next year I mightn't have improved, but if I'm playing in Townsville, I'm not going to train as hard. I'm not going to have a go like I did. And then because my brother... You discover women and beers and good food and That's stuff right. like that. And because my brother was at the Broncos and I watched him and I knew how hard, I sort of knew what I was getting myself into. So when I got on the plane, I promised myself that I wasn't coming home. So I have to have a go. So then when I got there, the training was hard. The biggest thing about rugby league and any professional sport is the training. It's not the game. The game's the game. The game of soccer, game of rugby league, game of AFL, it's the game. It's still the game. Yeah, that's the, that's the, the good training, stuff. The training to get you to a level to play at the level that you have to play at for the period of time that you have to is the hard thing. Yeah. So that's all I made do because I was an athlete. I was tall. I love rugby league. I could tackle. I could run and I could pass. So, you know, I ticked a couple of boxes, didn't tick all of them, but just had to train and get my mind into a place where I wouldn't give in on myself and, you know, get into some sort of physical shape mm. where I could play at that level. You started having some success pretty quickly. You were a real force for the Dragons. Yeah. Um, what was life like for you in Sydney for those sort of three it. years? Yeah. Oh, mate. I, Where were you living? I was living behind the Leagues Club. There was a, there was a little place in Lob <laughs> in Crescent. In Lob Crescent. And there was Nathan Brown, a bloke by the name of Matty Parsons, and, uh, ended up winning a grand final with... Uh, with the Newcastle Knights, Paul Sanderson, a big guy. I think he's a copper now, like he's a big detective. Uh, Scotty Ingram, Scotty Parks. So there was six guys were all in this house over there. How many six bedrooms? Six bedrooms? No, one. No, they put another one. One, there was two two big sharing bedrooms, like yeah. massive big bedrooms yeah. with like en suites and, and a couple <laughs> others. But it was great. And it was like a halfway house. So every time after a game, there'd be 10 or so blokes sleeping in there because they couldn't drive and they'd yeah. walk back from the leagues club and we'd have some of the old guys, some of the first graders would sleep on your couch or whatever and you're 19. It was pretty cool back then. Yeah. You know, and we didn't have a front door. So, <laughs> what do you mean? Well, it got knocked off the hinges. By so, who, like, we used to have, I don't know. Oh, no. Well, it was the just the players. Ball? No. No, mate. It was just the players' house. So, then, like, then, mate, before training, everybody would come and sit there. After training, everybody would come yeah. and sit there. It was really cool. It was a, it was a really good, you know, for a lack of a better word, community. Yeah. yeah. And it would all be different blokes coming in and out. And, you know, you were never short of a friend. But we'd walk up to Sizzler. So, that, that was one Sizzler thing that is still there, by the way. Probably I, the I only one in Australia. Sometimes when I go Probably to the, the only park. one in Australia. But, um... <laughs> But then, so you're getting good food. I was How much on damage did you do to the all-you-can-eat sizzler Heaps. ice cream? Heaps. 
No, not so much the ice cream because we were always full before then. But because I come down at 86 kilos and I wanted to, so like you'd yeah. gather, you'd have your pasta and you'd have a steak and you'd eat your salad and you'd take home some fruit. So your pockets would be full for fruit and, and we didn't have much cutlery at home. So no you'd wonder take the sizzler's bankrupt. Bankrupt yeah. with a heap of footballers going up there. So, <laughs> so but then, mate, they were great times. And then to play you know, in front of that loyal crowd and play for the Red V, it was... It was pretty special, and then what came along was Super League. When mm. you know there was talk of St George merging with the Roosters and all that kind of stuff, they were carrying coffins of our um, president at the time, um, Jeff Carr. They were carrying coffins of him around, saying, "Mate, we're not merging." It was going to be the Sydney or uh, the St George Roosters and all yeah. this type of stuff that was coming down, or Sydney Sydney Dragons or whatever. And it was just different times for a twenty-year-old kid that yeah. was getting a start at the Dragons and to make decisions on, oh, no, this competition's not going, this is merging. Yeah. So um, we all made our decisions in the end and, you know, but that was it. But it was a, Take me it was back. a great time at the Dragons. I really want to get into that Super League stuff because it's fascinating. But give me, can you just give me, what's a Saturday night after after a game at that point when you're sort of 19, 20 at the Dragons? Well, what we'd happens? go back to the club because... The, the league's club? Because that's what everybody did. Yeah. And then sometimes the opposition team would come back and you have a beer, you know, so if you're playing and... You know, North Sydney or whatever, Billy Moore and that, because they mm. would have played with Corny, so they might walk in. So you'd have a beer with the opposition team, and two or three, or the Raiders boys would always stay, and you'd have a couple of beers. I remember Laurie Daly, and Laurie Daly was a legend. So Laurie would sort of walk in, you know, having a couple of beers with him, and they had a little nightclub downstairs called the Cool Room. Yeah. So you'd venture <laughs> cool down, the Cool Room. So we'd venture down there, and then. Sounds very cosmopolitan, good. It was. It was so cool, mate. And then. Uh, and then we'd sort of either head over to the Cronulla area, you know, down, down the Carmen's or yeah. Northies, Northies. Or, Northies or whatever, and yeah, and then you'd come home, and then that was about it. It was, it was pretty simple, but there was no camera phones, there was mm. no mobile phones, you know, and that was the greatest thing for me coming through because we all made mistakes, you know, we all got kicked out of nightclubs and there was fights and all that stuff yeah. going down, but nothing, nothing ever got written because it wasn't really because no one really cared. Yeah, I often think about as it from a journal perspective when the tipping point was, when everything became fair game, and I've yet to sort of settle on that. Oh, camera know. phones. You th- no, I think it was before that, though. See, yeah, I feel like it was even a little bit before that. Yeah. We started. To, it started to become that rugby league players' personal lives and uh, things on the edges that normally, if you're a regular person, wouldn't get yeah. written up, started getting written up at yeah. some point. But anyway, um, Super League. Yeah. It's brewing. It's coming. And you make the decision you want to go back to Brisbane. No, I made the decision to sign... Uh, with the ARL first. Yeah. So we all walked in and it was strange. We walked into New South Wales headquarters. We all sat in hallways. I'm sitting from 9 o'clock in the morning. My meeting was 6. There was three rooms. So one Bob, of the like up-and-coming Bob, stars of the game just sitting no, in the no, hallway. No, 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 but hold on. But there's a lot, mate, there was a lot of stars going. There was yeah. all the men. Oh, no, just there was nine the teams, maybe nine teams, or I don't know how many teams in Sydney, nine, mm. all sitting in there. So players all walked in to get a deal or to get... And there was Bob Fulton... Uh, James Packer and Phil Gould okay. were doing a negotiation. So whichever one was next, if you made, if you, it's like being at the deli, you grabbed yeah. a ticket and some negotiations and then managers started all coming in and blokes didn't know, so the managers were walking in and that's when the whole Newcastle bus came in and that was a priority. So it was a strange time and I walked in to sign and it was just, I got Phil Gould in it and he was doing his job and now... Now I know that he was doing his job, but at the time he goes, I oh, know he's only a bench player. And I'd played State of Origin, but he was talking because 
there were certain prices. I think if you played State of Origin, you got a hundred fifty thousand dollars sign on. It was four hundred grand a year. If you played yeah. for Australia, it was two hundred thousand dollars sign on, and this. So it was crazy money getting thrown at you. And then he just negotiated. Said, "Look, mate, he's only a bench player, and I don't know whether." Da, 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 da. And then I was sitting in the meeting, and then my manager at the time, Georgie Mimas, goes, go outside, because he knew that I didn't like hearing it. He just must have saw my face. And then we walked out, and then James Packer said, come in here, George, what do you got? And he goes, oh, he didn't get the money that he wanted to. And then James Packer come and said, come and play for the Roosters. There's 650000 650000 And I thought, oh, if I do that, and Phil Gould's the coach, who just said that I was a bench player, that's not cool. So all these things are going through your head, and, and then, and I went home. But it was pretty cool walking in. I, I think I was only. So on what did best. you settle on? You, you don't, no, feel, no, no, you, you no, don't no. have to tell me the figure. No, but. no, no. So then that got offered, and I walked out, and then I ended up signing for Super League for four hundred and fifty. Right. So two hundred thousand less. So why? Why? What? Because when I walked in there, it was a, it was an organisation that didn't talk about money. Showed me this is where we want rugby league to do. We want to have a ten-team competition. We they want had a to vision. Play. We want to play it global. You, when we go away, we're not going to stay. We're going to get the best facilities. You can't train in this. We're going to have better facilities. You're going to be the best athletes. We're not going to play the grand final just in Sydney. We're going to grow the game. Maybe a grand final might be in Hong Kong and China, in America in years to come. We need to grow this game. We need to go, you know, set it up here. Want to start here, going around to France and because. France used to beat Australia until the government stepped in and said, you can't play rugby league, you've got to play rugby league. So France used to beat all the Australians. So go around and get the international game back in and signed all the yeah. islands and making and just make making sure that there was vision and there was a global vision for the game and we never had that before. Yeah. And I and I don't know, I think it might have been Lachlan Murdoch's brainchild or uh, whoever it was, but it was a great vision for the game. And you know, then we went from 20 teams and then we broke the competition, but... If it was a 10 or 12-team competition that was fierce and your team was competing every week, it'd be a pretty cool competition. So you, you like the idea of it things yeah. being smaller rather yeah. than larger? Yeah, harder games every week. Yeah. Yeah, well, so, you know, okay, mate, so. look, and, I'm, and, and that's when I'm 20. Don't forget, that's getting put on my table when I'm <laughs> 20. So now I'm 40, I'm thinking, no, because we need but – we, but we were going to have a game in Perth. I think there was too many teams in Sydney. So let's have four in Sydney, two in Queensland, Adelaide and Perth or something mm. like that. You know? And then you've got Melbourne. Newcastle or Melbourne. You know? And you've got all those areas. So whatever it comes to, it might have come to 12 yeah. you know, in the end. And then maybe a team in New Zealand or two in New Zealand. So it might have ended up growing. But we were playing, I think we had 20 in the competition. And I'd go play without disrespecting, well, well not in the comp, West. So, so, yeah. Well, we knew we were going to beat West. Yeah. We knew we were going to beat, you know, the Western Reds. We knew we were going to beat these clubs, but if you could cull all those players, because there's about five or six good players in each team, but the real good teams had 15 good players. Mm. So if you could get all those clubs that have the 15 good players, put all those sixes together, it was going to be a tougher competition. So I like that, and I like the fact that that there was vision and they were going to look after the players better. Okay, That was it. And it wasn't even... And I didn't even know, but like when they sat and they spoke to me about it, I actually enjoyed what they were talking about. So you signed with Super League, but you still had a, de- a year to run on your deal with Saints. Is that the, the Dragons? Right? And yeah. so you and you offered to actually pay out your contract. Yeah, I right? offered. Yeah, I offered St George four hundred grand. Wow! In court said you can have it. I don't want money. I just want to play. And um, I think I was on one hundred and forty-five thousand at the Dragons or something. So I said, that, mate, you can keep that money, and I'll give you that, and go buy whoever you want. So you would have only had fifty well, grand left to live on, or whatever. Well, no, well it wasn't even a money thing. And then I. 
And I did get money at the um, at the Broncos that year, but it wasn't four hundred fifty thousand. Mm. If I went and did a promotion, because this all come out in court, if I went and worked, so I actually had to work that year. Mm. So it taught me a lot about myself. This. You know, to stand on the hill at Cogger and have a sign, tell us the Terminator and all these signs and to go in and go get, you know, like and go down, you know, to Ramsgate and get a free hot chook and go here and you're pretty cool and have a free car to go to Brisbane and you're in a pecking order behind Darren Lockyer, Wendell Saylor, Steve Renouf, um, Kevin Walters, Alan Langer, Glenn Lazarus, Shane Webke, Brad Thorne, Tony Carroll. There's some big names there. So, yeah. I, so I was a number to go there and... You know, so to leave that and to go there, so then I just sort of learnt what it was like being retired early. Mm. So it, it, um, the learning curve that year and more networking. So I just worked for the club and it wasn't every day. It was probably two days a week and I trained every day with the Bronx. So, you know, I might have trained in the morning then in the afternoon I'd go sit in when the commercial team went to sell, mm. you know, or sponsorship team went to, you know, go to a new sponsor and try to sell the vision of the club or, mate, uh, we need a new short sponsor or sleeve sponsor and you'd sit and listen and, it was quite educational from a young kid coming from town to yeah. be sitting in on that. So, What was the conversation like, though, when you went to the Dragons and said, I don't want to play for you anymore, I want to go to Brisbane? Well, when I went and told my player, well, it was always in the paper, Talisine Super League. It was yeah. in the paper. And a few of them got, got chitty and called me, oh, yeah, uh, you're money hungry. But, my, but I did. Nathan Brown did. Noel Goldthorpe did. Anthony Mundine did. Jason Stevens did. Mm. But because I waited the most, and I signed, and I signed for less... But they didn't even need to know that because they thought I went to Super League. I would have went for way more. Mm. But I signed for less to go to Super League because when the Dragons and this is another thing about Super League, we were sitting in the cool room, <laughs> right? The, and we had the, a meeting, right? Yep. And we had a meeting, and St George voted fifty-five to three to go to Super League as a club. Wow! And the boss of the how did it not happen? Well, the boss was Jeff Carr that took up the job in the ARL, <laughs> and the three that didn't vote was Mark Coyne. David Barnhill and Scott Goulet. Okay. And they and then they were three big names that signed and they were three of our best players. Yeah, Dragons and like pedigree. And, and they had signed to go to the ARL. Mm. So we all should have just still taken it. Like we should have went, but there was no one now. Like I should have said, Okay, boys, they're out. I'm gonna take us into Super League and yeah. say, We will go and then we would have been a team out of Adelaide, Penfolds Wines, it would have worked in perfectly yeah. with the connection with with Adelaide, we'd played a couple of games here at Adelaide Oval. You would have been happy to move to Adelaide. Wouldn't have worried me, mate, because we would have stayed together as a group. So these are all the things. So that's a meeting. So that was that was a three-week, Yeah. you know. Don't you look back at that, that three-week oh. period and just think it's, it's There's not enough paper to write. There's not enough paper for everybody to tell their story yeah. and write it the way it happened. Like, you know? I'm just other scratching players. the surface Anthony here. Mundine signed for the ARL. Yeah. They gave him a... $200,000 check. He signed Super League. They gave him a $200,000 check. And he played for both. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah. and then But that's the times. That was the crazy times. You know, the, the Bulldogs guys walked out. Just imagine their stories. The Bulldogs guys that walked out from the Bulldogs to go to Parramatta. And then that lit a fuse, you know, that was big. So there was everything going around. No one knew which was right or which was wrong. You're hearing two sides of the story. Yeah. I chose the side after I went to one, and then the Dragons weren't going to be the Dragons. The Dragons yeah. were going to go to the Roosters. If I would have known that the Dragons would have been the Dragons, I wouldn't have went. And then at the end of the year, and then everybody knew that, and that I was going to play Super League. Super League was starting the next year. I went up to Brisbane. I trained the whole preseason. And then it, it got overturned, I think, and then they said, oh, mate, the ARL's still playing. You've got to go back. 
I said, mate, I can't train a whole preseason and go back and play with another club. Who told you you had to go back? Well, the courts. Okay. Said, mate, yeah. you've got to go back and play. I said, no, I'll stay here. So then we're negotiating all the time. There might have been about round eight. I said, Dragon, you can have the money. I don't need the money. I don't want the money. And then they said, you come back for the last games and we'll give you 30000 a game. Like it was getting – because they were – well, they, they made the grand well. final. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, so – and then that was a tough time. Then you had your mates like – and then I didn't think – the reason why – well, for one, because I said I wasn't going to go back, which is a massive reason. Mm. But for two, it's not fair on the players that were getting them there. It's not fair on the players that were doing the job. Sure. I didn't train your preseason. I didn't play any of your games. I'm not going to come in – you know, halfway through the year and take a bit of glory. So. You're listening to The Stack Report. So much still to come from Gordon Tallis. If you like this chat, check out our archive on iTunes and Wooshka. Interesting stuff from likes of Tom Harley, Ted Richards, Ed Cowan, Michael Checker. All very good for different reasons. Uh, all very honest and interesting stuff. Uh, do us a favour, rate, review, subscribe if you can. Tell your friends and family... Last week, we actually crept up the iTunes charts. I think we made the top 20 in the sports category. So, progress. And it's all down to your help, your downloads, your listens, and your recommendations. So, for now, we're going to reward you with some more Gordon Tallis. You had a magnificent time at Brisbane. You went straight into a premiership in Super League there. Eventually, the competition amalgamates, comes back together. Um can you just give me an idea what it was like when you first went back to Cogra to play against the Dragons? Yeah, I was I was so nervous. It's probably one of the games that I've been more nervous for because I just wanted to win. You know, it was personal for me because I thought these are the guys that made me sit out of here. And even then, and then, and and when I said that I wanted to play for Brisbane, I said I'll never play against you guys. Well, I'm contracted to you, so I'll play reserve grade to give you guys a. Um, you know, to give you guys a crowd and to get you the booming, but I will never play against you. If we play semi-finals or finals, I will never play against you. In first grade, I'll play in the lower grades against you. You're talking about the Dragons. Yeah, the Dragons. So yeah. to go back the year later after I sat out, and it was a Friday night game, and I was so nervous in the dressing room, and I remember, and I've never asked a player this before, and I said, are we going to win, Elf? Elf just looked at me like, go away, you idiot. Why you asking me? I said, Elf, mate, we've got to win this game. You got to win this game, and I remember like I come off, and I reckon I had, I reckon I had about twelve runs in the first ten minutes, and I guess, and then, and it taught me a valuable lesson for big games down the track. Yes. I built myself so much, like all the talk was about me going back that I listened to it and I believed it that I got to go and I got to be this guy. Well, I'd used up so much energy, and I was shot after twenty. Like, I mean, I was gone after twenty minutes. Like I'd played an Origin match now. Like that's how much energy, like I took out of my body. And I'm sitting there, and I reckon I sat on the sideline for about 30 minutes. And Wayne goes, are you right to go back on? I said, yeah, I think. And then I come back on, and I scored a try, and then we end up beating them. You know, like, and then Petro threw a great ball. And How sweet up, was that win? It was a great win. It was, it, was, it was one of my favorites. It's one that I look back on, and I don't remember moments or, or like, years, but it was one that I remember, and I just remember Petro throwing a good ball. I scored a try, and they were ahead, and they were playing really good. The crowd was, you know... The crowd was really up for it, but when we won that game, it was... Did they it give it very, to you? Not heaps. Can you... Did, what, like throwing stuff, hurling yeah. abuse? Yeah, what? throwing chicken bones, tennis balls, to a point where the coppers were throwing them back the tennis balls and that that they were throwing at me. <laughs> but that was all fun. You know what I mean? Like then, mate, I enjoyed it because all those guys, I reckon every single one of them has sort of walked up to me because I've nearly played 10 years at Brisbane. So over the time, they've all walked up and every time I played against the Dragons, the last couple of times I played against the Dragons, there was no booing. Yeah. You know? Um, Do you feel like you almost there was a, a that's a level of respect? 
Oh, no, it's just they got sick of booing. <laughs> you know I mean? Mate, it's a, it takes a lot more energy to hate. Yeah. Pat. It takes a lot more energy to hate. It really does, love. doesn't it? Oh, it does. To hate but someone. But it's, it's a strong motivator, though. <laughs> oh, certainly. <laughs> well, our game you know, thrives on the tribalism. It certainly does. Um, you had tremendous success at the Broncos in the 90s and the yeah. 2000s. Can you paint us a picture of about what it was like to be a Bronco in the 90s and 2000s? Because that was like dynasty level of yeah. success. The reason why I chose the Broncos in 94 when I was at the Dragons... And Brian Smith was really strict, and it would never change. He's the best educator of football that our game's seen. Oh, that, well, really? Yeah, mate. That Because you've had a couple mate, of big coaches. Yeah, mate. Brian Smith. Um, Melbourne Storm. Nathan Brown went down to Melbourne Storm, and what they're doing, we were doing in 1992. You know what I mean? So, like, then he's either that far ahead or Craig Bellamy knows that that works. But yeah. it just shows that we were doing that a long, long, long time ago. Mm. So, and Melbourne Storm are the... You know, they're the benchmark. Yeah. So um, he's a great coach, but it was always really serious. You know, like you couldn't laugh, you couldn't crack a smile, you couldn't... Interesting. Yeah, like you always had to be right on your guard. He's a real strict teacher. He's a real strict educator. And then when I went and played Origin and and we're there and Wally Dawson's a coach, it's a big moment. So you're not joking at that, but then Elf and Kevy, if it's funny and someone drops the ball, oh, you know, like... There's funny moments. Yeah. Laugh at the funny moments, but be serious when the times. You only got to be serious... Wednesday night at 8 o'clock once they kick off, yeah. really. But when you're doing your own work, so I saw the way Elf and Kevy were were really enjoying their footy and then something clicked. I thought, I really want to play with these guys. I would really love to play with Kevy and Elf. So you clicked in Origin. This is yeah, where you clicked, noticed. Yeah. clicked. And then obviously Super League broke yeah. and then I ended up being able, uh, able to go and play with them. What was life Super, like in Brisbane, though, as Super, a Bronco? Uh, you got to win. Pressure yeah. every week. You you're expected to win. I don't think and win competitions. No, no, not no, not just win. You got to win the competition, or otherwise you fail. Not make the eight. Not win every. Not go out there and try your best and make the top four. You win grand finals, or you've had, or as a uh, as a playing group, you have failed. Fair bit. Of, well, is that suffocating? Oh, no, you either you either relish or you don't. You know. You loved it. Tiger Woods is you know like everybody gets gets judged on whether you win or lose. Mm. But Brisbane's expectation from the inner from the inner circle, from the playing group, every fan wants you to win the grand final. But for us inside, inside the four walls, we expected ourselves to win every game, expected ourselves to win grand finals. Simple as that. Yeah. And if we didn't, we were really disappointed and we were really shitty with each other. Yeah. But- I used to blame all of the others too. Yeah. It was never my fault. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it wasn't. What was the level of celebrity like? Could you walk yeah, down the street? Uh, was that annoying? Cause yeah, you, look. I don't think you liked that, it got, too. No, it got bigger and bigger to a point where like, we'd go into city rolls. Don't forget, mate, we're getting like a $500 drink card. Who's giving you that? The, the bars? Yeah, bars. So, mate, when you go in the bar, like you wouldn't pay for stuff. You'd get cab charges. So, you'd never have to... Get, you know I mean, so like, everywhere you went, you are free. Nike, Nike were big. So, every... So, like we all did... You can't have individual sponsors. You've got to have a team. So every, so every kid's got yeah. that. Every first grader gets a car, pretty yeah. much. Everybody's sponsored by a, by some car dealership, mm. you know. And that's very rare that you can have, like, you know, 15 players, you know, with every different dealership. Um, you walk into a nightclub, there's a big, like, photo of you. Like, you know, you walk around the Fox Sports things. No, like, I'm serious. Yeah, so yeah. you'd walk in. It was funny because Wendell would always stand next to you, <laughs> you reckon? 
but like then there was yeah and then yeah like there was celebrity and and then and then you could get any ticket to a point where you know I went overseas and the people who used to run like Ticket Tech or whatever I think they're one of our sponsors they got me tickets to the Lakers or so so it did open every door mate don't forget we had Willie Nelson sing we had like every big big artist would like come and sing and you'd get to meet them like because you were the celebrities of you know of Brisbane, so anybody that was big that came to, to town, hard to keep your feet on the ground in that scenario. Oh no, because you're footy players. But it's just cool. It's yeah. just, it's just, it's an extra. You can either go with the extra and like the extra, yeah. or, or it's you know, it's a bit of GST added to your job that you sort of go there, but don't get caught. Like we didn't get caught up in it. Yeah. No one, no one really gets caught up in it. Really, surely people get caught up mm, in it. I don't know. I don't know anybody. Yeah. That I know that got caught maybe up in a celebrity in your generation. Yeah, maybe. Maybe now that they might, oh, yeah, like I'm here with that or this. Yeah. I'm not, you know. No, no. Well, um, they're normal people, aren't they? Yeah. So you, Just um, very talented. You had a lot of success um, working alongside Wayne Bennett. Yeah. What was he like as a coach? I mean, it's a very simple question. I'm sure yeah. you get a lot. Well, where if you say that Brian Smith's an educator, Wayne Bennett just teaches you not to give in on yourself. So we got this run and it's at the gap and it's eight and a half Ks and it's through the hills. It's a really tough run. The first hill, I reckon, is about 1.6 K and it's steep. Like, you actually want to stop 100 metres in. Mm. And I remember, like, running the first time one of the boys goes, don't, just don't stop, mate. Okay, so you're running and you're about 600 metres in. It'll go, oh, my God, mm. I've, got to, I've got to stop. And all you heard, this voice. Don't even think about it. Wayne Bennett would, would like hide. And he looked like a prey mantis anyway. He was that skinny. He looked like a big stick insect hanging on the trees. But basically there was this run. And it took about, I don't know, 40, 45 minutes the first time. I think I had to get down to 38 minutes. And Kevy Walters, I think, still holds a the record there. But Wayne Bennett used to run it and finish in the top five. So Wayne, wow. so we'd all take off. So Wayne, what's uh, 17? He's 67. Mm-hmm. So when he was 50... He was running it and beating us. When he was 53, he's running it. Well, he beat me. Um, I don't think he... Kevy Walter started getting him towards the end, but he's in the top three or four blokes. I'm talking about Darren Lockyer, Wendell yeah. Saylor, you know, some of the whippets that are, that are that are going to run this. And then, so when Wayne Bennett runs your toughest run with you and beats you, when he asks you to do something, well, you know that he can pay the price and he's lung. And then he had that family life, you know, with Justin and his daughter Catherine and then like when you see that and what he dealt with off the field and he asks you to do something you're not going to say no mm. you know what I mean yeah that's it but as for teaching you footy no as for making me a better player no but as for making me work harder on my own ability and not give in and be disciplined and coach uh, Wayne Bennett's a defensive coach so like he comes up with a system and then you just don't let your mate down mm. and you don't let the mate down so you run that hill until you're fit enough so you won't let him down, so you make better decisions when you're fatigued, and we come up with a simple plan. So he's he's a motivational juggernaut, basically. Pretty much. And it was all those things above, you know. Yeah. There's a bit of mystique about him, didn't drink, didn't do this, didn't do that. Yeah. It's gone a bit now, but yeah. back in the day, it was huge. Well, the media was scared of him. Yeah. But I'd sit in press conferences, they were scared to ask a question. And when they did ask a question, and this is a funny one, when I ask him a question, and I kn- and then I'm sitting there knowing that he doesn't know the answer, you go, oh, mate, oh, what about this, 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 this? He's looking at the blood go, you watch the game, you write it. <laughs> but because when he was saying, but, you know, you get coaches and they can break it down. Yeah. You go, look, this is what you do. Yeah. But because if it's a technical question and Wayne wasn't too sure, he'd just say, mate, you saw the game. Why don't I'm, you write I'm, your opinion? I'm not going to do your job for you. Yeah, right? Yeah. M- mate, you guys will write whatever you want. 
and I'm not going to tell you what to write or something like that. Yeah, like it'd come out like that. I've had so many press conferences with coaches and they all use that trick because um, it, all the journos get nervous. They don't want to be ridiculed by this, you know, sporting uh, genius. genius. And then everyone's edgy and so he'll throw out something like that and then everyone nervously laughs and then it just feeds on itself. Then everyone else goes further into their own shell because they don't yeah, want to be yeah. made fun of as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Mate, but, you know, they play the media. As much as media plays them and gets the stories that they want and, you know, it's he's very clever the way he uses it. It's sport, sport in this country. You know, it's soap opera for men. You know, the mm. girls have all those other shows and Survivor when the blokes take their shirts <laughs> off or Dancing with the Stars and those ones where they're or Desperate Housewives or whatever they've got. And blokes have sport. Blokes have their team going mm. out there, and that's what we've got. That's our drama. Yeah. yeah. The perception is you and Wayne don't see eye to eye. I had Steve Renoff on a show that I was yeah. working on last year, and I said, what's the story there, um, Steve? And he said, oh, you have to ask Gordy, but I think it was because he benched him for a game, a final no, in North the, Queensland. Oh, mate, look, there was a million things. The, things that, the thing that my first Wayne Bennett fallout was that was one thing because I was playing my last game in Townsville, and he came up and goes, oh, mate, and then I was in the senior players meeting. He goes, oh, mate, we didn't have anything. We played Melbourne Storm at, at Suncorp Stadium. We were matching it with them for 35 minutes. And then when our bench and their bench come on, I like, and I forget who their bench was, they just outplayed us. So yeah. so, so for 25 minutes, like, we're going. And then when their bench, they just kept on, you know, edging ahead, on, edging ahead, edging ahead. And we couldn't hold them. Wayne goes, mate, we need something off the bench. He goes, I'm going to start you off the bench. And the boys said, no, you can't do that, mate. We're going to have to get one of the young kids. And there was a young Neville Costig in there. There was young Sam Thiday. There was Brad Myers and Dane Carlo and those guys. And then they were playing, but they probably were a little bit tired because it's a long year and they were early. So throw in a young Sam and he said, no, look, we need someone. And it was Corey Parker was there as well. But um, he decided me and then the player said no. And he goes, okay, well, we'll start uning. Um, we'll pick one of these other young guys. So then Thursday we train, or Wednesday we train, Thursday we train, Friday we train, we're going for our walk in Townsville on Saturday. He goes, oh, mate, I'm going to start you off the bench. I said, what? And then I was a bit embarrassed because it was my last game. as where I was born. I got 70 tickets for the game. I was up for the game. You know what I mean? And it's not my fault that if we have a weak bench. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I did whatever the team you know I wanted me to do. So that was one thing. But he's a coach. He makes those decisions. Sure. And then when... Kevy Walters and Gary Belcher and Glenn Lazarus were at the club. And because I played with two of them and I knew Badge, they were getting offers and Badge goes, oh, man, I've got this offer. So what are you doing? Because I was a captain. I said, well, take it, mate. If it's a better offer, you're going to go do it. Kevy was getting offers to go coach, you know, because yeah. he was underneath Wayne. And Kevy Walters won six grand finals and he didn't. Then at the end of the year, I think the next year in 2005, they all got sacked. Mm. And then I just wrote an article as I did. I said, oh, well, Wayne is not the playing group because none of those guys have been moved on. He's happy with the rosters. So it must be the coaching staff. So if they don't win this year, you know, Wayne Bennett might have to look at the coaching staff again or maybe himself. And it was just an article. Yeah. That was it. I went to training because I had Burger Day and he said, and he sort of swore at me, he said, I'm bloody filthy with you or something like that. And I just stuck the fingers up and told him to go away sort of thing. <laughs> like I thought he was joking. Yeah. But I think that really because no one's ever said anything like that about him. Pretty big though, because you're obviously part of the club. Yeah, still but to it was write just, that in the paper. Don't but you it think? was that, and then when Darius Boyd, who just walked in the building here, when Darius Boyd played his first game at Brookvale Oval, yeah, and he played brilliant, and now you know Darius's life. Wouldn't it be good that his grandmother brought him up? You hear Wayne Bennett say he played a great game, and he didn't talk about Darius, like, and the way he's treated the media, like I. I just think that we owe, we owe something. The game's given me so much. You owe a little bit back. 
And I just think sometimes the game has given him everything, absolutely everything, mm. everything he's got. And if he hasn't made thirty million bucks out of our game, like I don't know, he's made more money than any other player, any other coach out of our game. I think that he can give it a bit more respect when they ask, the, like when a journalist asks a question, answer it, promote the game a little bit more. He does an interview with Fox. He's never doesn't does an interview with Fox. Never does an interview with Nine unless it suits him, and he goes and does it. And then they're all the little things that I chip him about when he does it. Yeah, doesn't do it with you know um, Triple M, who I work on, or the other radio stations. He doesn't talk to them, but he'll go talk to ABC because it suits him. Right. You know, so you can't go say no, I'm not going to do it, and then talk to when Ben Iken was holding a Channel Nine mic, but not talk to. Glenn Lazarus that was holding a Fox Sports mic at the same time. You can't do that. You can't pick and choose. You either got to talk to none. And then I said to him one day, I said, Wayne, what are He goes, no one wants to hear what I've got to say. I said, but why did you write two books? <laughs> and he had no comeback. So, like, there's all those things that I just, that I chip him about, which I'd chip anybody about. But because he's Wayne Bennett, everyone thinks, and then he's got a great thing because he's got all these people that say, oh, mate, you don't like Wayne, you don't like Wayne. It had nothing to do with it. It's whether I was right or wrong what I said. Don't say whether you like someone or not. Whatever I was saying about him, was I right or wrong? Judge me on that. And that was it. I, you don't really care what anyone thinks, do you? You're just going to call it how you say it. Yeah. Couldn't give a rat's. Yeah. Um, I'd, rather, I'd rather be disliked for what I say than liked for what I don't say. That's a good way to, to get about, I think. Well, there's so many people that talk behind people's back and stab people in the back. Just say it. It's, not, it's words. It's words. And if words hurt you, there wouldn't be knives or guns. Yep. Like seriously, like they're my kids now. They're they're like eleven and twelve, and they talk, and you know they and they know how to get under each other's skin. And my brother used to get under my skin, my sister, and we all know how to. No do it. one knows better than siblings. Oh. They're the only people who can get under my oh, skin. Oh my god! Like you know, like then there was my little niece the other day, and she come, and then one of them said, "Oh mate, the only place you're happy is in the pantry," you know. And, <laughs> and then that's the saying. And then like this, but she got all upset. Then they called him, yeah, Diglett, and all these little names, and Diglett. I don't even know what Diglett is. And then. She said that I've got hands like a dinosaur, and I'm like, and then they're all, and there's, they're all 13 year olds all bickering. I said, please, come on. What about if I say it to you? Nothing, exactly. you know. Yeah. But so like, and they're all the things. So I don't, I don't really care what people sort of think of me, you know, unless they really. And then once they get to know you, they can form an opinion, and I'm opinionated, but that's only because I'm in the media, and and like you got to give it. Mm. Someone, hey. someone told me never be vanilla. In the media, no, yeah. that's uh, that's a, a recipe for death in the yeah. media, yeah. Yeah, so you either got to be made a bit Strawberry of Strawberry or chocolate, yeah. That's it. <laughs> hey, I'm I want to ask you about, I want to ask you about uh, Heritage Round because it's Indigenous, uh, not yeah. Heritage Round, Indigenous Round. And I want yeah. to ask you about your heritage because I read a bit of your book and you were saying, people ask me about my ethnic background, newspapers pick me in the fantasy Indigenous and Aboriginal sides. To tell the honest truth, I haven't worried about it. An auntie of mine did some research and she found my great-grandfather came from northwestern Abram. I think I'm saying that yeah. right, in Vanuatu. Yeah, Abram Island. It's, yeah. Sort of no, yeah, it's, it's right up top, so the Talus yeah. name comes from there. But all, you said, though, all... To finish, sorry, Gordy. All we were ever told in my family is that we're Australian. My dad's born from Townsville. Uh, his dad was born in Bowen, so we're Australian and we're proud of it. But yeah. you're an Indigenous man, yeah, aren't you? I'm, yeah. I'm right in saying you're yeah, Indigenous. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And my dad was the first, but... When and it's sort of a bit embarrassed because you don't know and you know how everybody goes oh well I was born here and I was born there yeah and then when you're involved so my dad so pretty much through through time and I don't know how long but Amram Island is where the name comes through so they would have been slaves because mm-hmm. they took it because it's a French name so Talis was French or Talis was French <laughs> so then they come down so they would have come down through the South Sea Islands 
into North Queensland and they were cane cutters. Yeah. So, and then through marriages and marriages and marriages, like I had my, like one of my cousins was singing in the Yothi Indie band. So then over generations, really? yeah, so then over generations, you know, you just blend in. Yeah. So um, to a point where my dad was born and then my grandfather's born and born and that's just life. And mm. then because I didn't know when people asked, because, you know, Preston Campbell can sit there and play the didgeridoo and tell you exactly what tribe he was. Well, sure. I didn't know that I was the Bindle people, which is, you know, like an area in Townsville, until the Indigenous side come up. So, um, and then and then I always thought that, you know, when they kept on asking me, well, I wanted, I wanted to inspire every kid. Okay. And if, and... And then, because Laurie Daly was one as well, and because you weren't too sure of your heritage, it was something that you couldn't sort of stand on a pedestal about. But now you're allowed to do it with this Indigenous round. I think it's, uh, I think it's great for the game. I think Queensland State of Origin, 25% of the Queensland State of Origin team has been Indigenous. Mm. That's a that's a fair whack. And the other three quarters are from New South Wales. Yes, yeah. pretty much. And one of those is Indigenous as well. The big Gawena. So, so yeah. So that's that's really good stuff. Uh, hey, uh, it's about time you had to go. I'm sorry. Um, you know, you just told me not to be vanilla. Um, <laughs> the uh, the NRL gets plenty wrong. I think they get their Indigenous issues bang on in their representation. Yeah, the, their heritage it's... round. All stars. Well, that 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 all stars game to go on and and I've been involved at every level of this game to go and watch Greg Inglis, and I walk in the Queensland dressing room. They don't want to go and do a sponsorship. They don't, mm. and they find every excuse not to. They go get physio on something that's that's not even sore, and they pull out that that Indigenous week. The amount of work that those guys do, where my nieces just got chosen, and the greatest thing is Indigenous is a fallen way off. Like they don't finish school. I think less than 5% of them finish school with any skill where they can go and get a job. So they have these programs where they can go in and the best 300 kids from around Australia that if you go to school and you don't get expelled and you go every day, you can come and spend a week with Jonathan Thurston and Greg Inglis. So that game is more. So now the kids are fighting to get in there and then they're marks. So now all those kids are going to school. Well, now it goes on marks. Yeah. So that game is more than that. They're trying to give... And then... And then the message is, don't come and play rugby league because, you know, I played, like, there's 5,000 doctors a year mm. that come out of, there's been 200 state of origin players. There's been eight captains or something. Mm. Like, the odds are against you. Mm. There's 5,000 doctors, you know. So we try to say, don't do this. Become our first Indigenous doctor. Become our bus driver, physiotherapist, or whatever you do, sports medicine or whatever. But make sure that you involve. And then I think that week is fantastic. Like one day we left the hotel at seven and we got back at about nine o'clock at night. Right. And thrown in a training session. So the game is more than a game. Um, part of it thinks that it's bad. I would like to see... Bad? Uh, I would like to see the Indigenous team play against the Marys or the Maldives. Yeah, that would be like that. You mean like? Yeah. You mean like? And then it's kind of like what we just saw with the Pacific Test. Exactly. So yeah. then, so so then have them play against the indigenous of of somewhere else yeah. instead of like Australians because they are all Australians. Mm. You know what I mean? So we're playing against their can own. create some sort of a divide in some sense. Is that what you mean? Yeah. yeah. Well, well, you sort of sense that. I mean, I got a white mum. Yeah. So why aren't I playing for mum? Yeah. Okay. You know I mean, so if I'm only playing for half of my family, but I'm yeah. not. I'm playing for all of it. I mean, it's every time you take the field, you're playing for your mum and dad. Yeah. But I can see that side of the fence, you know? Yeah. Were you subject to racism much? No, not really. Not no, really? No. no, well, as I said, names. Like, mate, I just said it. Words 
Words I've never heard. Me. Yeah, point. That's a big deal these days. Yeah, yeah. oh, it is. Yeah, you know, Greg English. People calling him a name on the yes, field would be it a is. very big deal. Oh, oh my, yeah. Look, it's 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 out there. You know, you know. It's but it's never, and I shouldn't say, but it's never ever ever worried me mm. because if someone said something about me and my colour, I was proud to be that man. I'm I'm so proud of my dad and where he's come from. To walk down the street, I love him. So if they say you've got an issue. Brother, you're the one that's got an issue. If you're seeing a black man and not a human, you're the one with an issue. If you're with my mum and you call me a little white guy, you've got an issue, brother. Mm. If you don't see a lady, you're the one with the problem. So that's the way I've always convinced myself. But is it wrong? And then as I tell my kids, if you say something something to someone and, and it's wrong and it hurts their feelings, you're saying the wrong thing. Mm. you know. And maybe I've suppressed it and maybe you know, because of, of my age and where I grew up and you know, there was no place for it. But... Like, yeah, you've heard people say it, but I don't think anything's ever really been directed at me, like 100% saying okay. you're this or you're that, you know? Because not too many people knew, really, in a day. And then Talos, when I went over to the Greek islands in Santorini, they all thought I was Greek. <laughs> so I was getting free food over there. So I was Greek for two yeah, weeks. Yeah, you were laughing. Yeah, see, so free I was Greek food, for two, that's yeah. as good as it gets. Oh, yeah, and the Greeks, you know what they're like? Yeah, they can do yeah. a good spread, can't oh, they? can't they? Um I wanted to ask you about food, but just quickly on, you didn't get to play for the Indigenous All-Stars, no. uh, but you did get to play for the Redfern All Blacks. Redfern All Blacks. I Who was, was in the team? Chockey Mundine, Wes Patton. How old was Chock? Uh, we were young. I was 18, 19. That was my first He would year. have been like 16. That was when I first come. Yeah. That was when I first come. That was a tough tournament. We played at Redfern Oval. It rained all week. It was on ABC. Um that was that was pretty cool, you know, to play. Would have been some razzle yeah, dazzle footy. Yeah, so tricky. Well, no, because the conditions were really poor, so uh. it become a forwards battle, and I was the only guy. Nathan Merritt's dad was the front row. Big Tony Merritt was the front row, so there was pretty much him and Robbie John. So there was a few guys, but we played. Uh, we played La Perouse, I think, in the finals, um, and they had. Uh, uh, the Lion Boys. We played Maury, who was you know all the McGradys and Andrew Walker. You got a big grit on your face the, telling this yeah, story. Well, like Andrew Walker and all the boys, they were all playing uh, for Brie Warriner, you know, with Jeff Hardy and they yep. go. So it was it was a really cool it was a really cool competition that, and I never ever got to play one up in uh, up in towns, you know, like for like my area. But that would have been pretty cool as well. There's been. Uh, cocaine, drug issues dominating yep. the press all yep. weekend. Sonny, uh, Sean Kenny Dow, Proctor, Bromwich, yep. Keogh. Um, I'm not really here to judge players, but I was interested, just doing some research on this, that you wrote an open letter to players along with the yeah. Axe, I think, Trevor Gilmeister. No, or? Shane Webke. Shane Webke, sort of begging yeah, them to behave yeah. better. Yeah, was it, that around this sort of stuff? or? Oh, well, it was just, you know, it was just everything I spoke about Wayne Bennett. Like, we've got a, you know, we don't own the game. You know, we sort of borrow it for the time that we can run out on the footy field. And then there's blokes that have walked walk before us and there's people that are going to walk after it. And then we got to make sure that it's a great place to come in. And we keep on using society. And then one of my good mates, Wendell Sale, he got banned for two years. Mm. That's a huge punishment, mm. you know. And he always says, Gordon, if you do the line, you've got to do the time. I've never touched the drug, so I can. But I feel that that punishment was a little bit hard. I actually do. And then you see Essendon where they take that and then they're, mm. and the Cronulla guys and some get four weeks and some get a year. Yeah. And then you see these guys. I think the public shame is enough. So I don't know what's the right or wrong way because they've got to be educated and it's getting more and more. Like I go out now, people know my stance on it. Yeah. I get offered it. Yeah. I'm a 44-year-old man. I don't need it. Keo's 55. Well, who's offering you cocaine? Oh, mate, you go out into any nightclub. 
What, what are you doing oh, at mate, nightclubs? <laughs> mate, what are you doing? <laughs> you come on, do come dancing on. machines. Yeah, dance. Well, well, yeah, like not nightclubs, bars. Hey, okay, mate, yeah. you want some of this? Or yeah, yeah, you yeah. go to toilet, mate. You no, mate. I say, are you serious? You know what I mean? So I don't know whether they're trying to set you up. So I don't, I don't get this. I, I don't get it. It's part of the things that I don't get. Mm. Um, if I'm earning money at a rugby league and I've got so much to, like, to give away, I don't get going and doing it. Okay. I, I, I don't get it. Um, I feel sorry for the guys. You know, because the three guys are pretty good fellas, all the four of them in Kia. Yeah. They're really nice men. It's their first strike. Um, in AFL, there's three, where, and then you don't know, and they get named after the – whether that's the right – I don't know. And I think in Australia, we don't know what's right because we were really hard on Wendell Saylor, but no one's learnt. Yeah. You know, Ben Cousins, that was well publicised, but yet, you know, when he come back and he played, there was a standing ovation. Mm. It's getting less and less. There was a girl over in Columbia or whatever that's got – like, that doesn't shock me anymore. Yeah. Like, that doesn't shock me. Chappelle Corby's story doesn't shock me. Sure. The Bali Nine, like, they, like, I don't know, are we getting immune to it? Before, it was shocking. It covered the headlines. Now, Chappelle Corby was lying on the beach today on the paper reading down. It's like 15 pages in. Mm. Hey, Five uh, years ago, that was on the front page. So You wrote an article about 10 years ago saying that you need to bring the beers back into the change rooms. Oh, absolutely. Will, that would address these issues that we're seeing now. Do well, what it does is it lets you be... Well, I don't know, but I just sense that the more you take the way... So everybody... So you work, right? Yep. When you leave here on Friday night, are you allowed to go have a beer? Uh, yeah, of course. Right. You can go... Anyway. Well, rugby league players... Sorry, mate. Once you leave Joshua, no, you're not allowed to drink. Well, that's pretty silly. Wayne Bennett asked me to go out there and play against Manly, against Ian Robertson, play like a man. But then when I leave the dressing room, hold on, mate, come here. Don't do that. You're going to wear this. Don't do that. And you're going to go straight home mm. and you're going to go to bed. What? Huh? So I think that the more they took off the boys making their own decisions, the more decisions that they were going to make wrong. I think when you take something off someone, sometimes they're going to go against what you say. There's going to be a, a consequence re- to those. Yeah. So when I grew up, you could always have a beer. I would sit in the spa. We'd have one with Shane Webke. I would drive home. You know, my wife would be uh, you know, having a drink up in a corporate box. I'd be drive back to the club. We'd have a meal and we'd go home. Now the players, they don't have and they can't wait to get out and all their friends from school. And the problem is you've got you to realise who you hang around. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you hang around people that are doing it, you've got to change your, you've got to change your circle of friends because they're going to bring you down. And i tell you something. If someone's selling you something and they get busted, you think they're not going to dob you in? Mm. If they get offered a plea, listen, mate, you won't go to prison. Or, mate, we won't give you a fine, but who did you sell it to? That's what's happening. I, I, if it, I was the boss of the game right now, I would give the guys 10%. I would fine them. Right now, going forward, I would I would fine every player 10% of their salary for every time they got busted. That's a pretty interesting way of looking at it, actually. Right? So you're not going to... Is that so what no motivates gonna... a player? More than, say, missing games, more than the humiliation? If you hit them in the hip pocket, will that motivate them? Well, 10% of your salary... It's a big decision. A lot of cash, isn't it? It's a lot of cash. So that's what I'd, I'd say. Okay, boys, fair enough. Lines in the sand. Sponsors are walking away from here. And I would like all, all the code to do it. So, okay, if you do it, an AFL, boom, 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 let's do it across everything. Netball, whatever we do, if this is if this is it, 10% of your salary. Mm. Hey, uh, And it goes back into junior sport to get spread evenly or whatever. Was it an issue in your day? Not really. You know, you, you no, knew no. of players oh, using or well, when I first went to the Dragons, you sort of heard, you know, like you'd go to some and and like you heard stuff was happening, and then when you went to Brisbane, no, definitely not, and then probably sort of when you retired. What about in like I international the last five, tours and stuff? That seems like a, a yeah, you know, everyone's overseas. 
I reckon only the last five years you hear of it more and more and more, and even me getting asked for it, and people yeah. going, and and then this is the sad part. I walk out. They know I'm in the media. Oh, mate, I sold such and such a bag. Yes. Oh, oh mate, I did this. I did that. It could be lies, but right. I had people coming up and dobbing them in. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. So, you know, and then that's only sort of started happening the last couple of years. Mm. You know. Hey, Gordon. There's so much more I wanted to get through. This has been great. Thank you. Well, we can do it again before the end of the year. Would you mind? Like, can we have a chat? Maybe at the end of Origin after the Blues have knocked over the Maroons. Yeah, we can have a yeah, chat. Absolutely. There. Do you know? Yesterday they had the residents game. Yeah. Queensland versus New South Wales. Who who got up? Oh, we only beat you by thirty. <laughs> we only beat you by thirty. <laughs> yeah, we only beat you by thirty. I, I, God, we dropped. Geez, we played poor. <laughs> you. Uh, <laughs> I've got nothing. Gordon Tallis, thank you so much for your time. We, I very Thanks, much appreciate Stacey. it. Cheers. Anytime. That's it for the Stack Report. A big thank you to Gordon Tallis, so generous with his time. Remember, you can find me on Twitter at Patrick Stack Fox or on Instagram at Patrick underscore Stack. And that's where you'll find out when we've posted new episodes of the Stack Report. Please go to iTunes or Wooshka. Do us a favour, will you? We give you this for free. All you've got to do is rate, review, subscribe, and tell your mates and tell your family. Not that hard. Come on, help us out. Hope you enjoyed, Gordy. We should have something new for you very soon, maybe this week. It's just going to depend on whether we can fit it all in. I don't want to promise anything. See you soon.